The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, 
it's important to take the reading that you might have life in his name. We put a study earlier in another series, if you look at John 1 to 12, we become aware of those seven miraculous events that John says found. So he's taking time to tell us indicators of the signs of Jesus that he said he was the Christ, the Son of God, and in fact, seeing his proof evidence that these things were so. And that those who believe that this was so, that Jesus was in fact the Messiah, Son of God, that they would be guaranteed the goodness of truth, eternal life, an ongoing forever relationship with God. And the last of these seven signs was the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Probably the most spectacular of the signs, because for numbers of people, John devotes an entire chapter to it, and it provides for us the immediate benefit of the things we're thinking about this morning, the passage that we're looking at. Now, the purpose of the signs, as we've already mentioned, is made really clear in this seventh sign. And the responses to these seven signs, raising the man from the dead out of the tomb, bring into sight relief the reality of faithfulness and the reasons and the nature of the reasons for the nature of this seventh. Now, the history spoken word is the disbelief rather than unbelief, because this disbelief sometimes carries with it the sense of intention. So, context. Jesus is lying low beyond the Jordan. He's been threatened with stoning to death because of the blackness because he claimed that he was the Son of God. And apparently, there's some faith that took objection to that. And then he sees news that his friend Lazarus is dying. But Jesus intentionally delays going back to Bethany when Lazarus is. And he waits until he is aware that Lazarus is, is in fact dead. And it's only then that he chooses to head back to the Bethany. This is kind of like three corners of the way from Jerusalem. It's a dangerous place to go for Jesus who's just been threatened to stone to death. So what about Jesus is dead, he's dying. He's already said, and he came back, his hour has come, he has stoned Lazarus. Jesus said to his disciples, Lazarus has died, he's back in the morning, but he's dead and for your sake, for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, but why? So that you may believe. So that you may believe. Forget that. And then I get there. So he had a really intentional delay for the purpose. I'm delaying for your sake, you may believe that So Jesus' disciples, they get to Bethany, they discover the fact that Lazarus has been in a tomb for four days. They're told that he's had the body was probably found a rock on the outside. Four days is a big deal. It's a significant thing. The reason four days is important is because the normal custom was to inspect the body after three days. Because in medicine, some people would have said, but medicine, uh, not being what it is now, it's really specific. All the questions you need to get, not the people out. So wait three days, make sure they're good, then they share that and send more inspectors out. Four days, six weeks. There's no question. It is 
and David. So Jesus then goes to the priest, he goes to his lawyer, and he goes to his disciples, and he goes to the crowd of mourners. And then he prays, and that's the purpose of his prayer. If you get from uh, chapter 11, 41 to 42, then Jesus lifted up his eyes and prayed, said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew you that you always hear me. And I said this one on account of the people standing around. On account of the people standing around, what? That they may believe that you sent me. So when Jesus does these things, he has a purpose in mind. It's the goal there. And I think it's the goal that's come out of the world. It becomes a much more public event. And he does it so that those who witness this may believe. So he's going from the trees by the way, and Jesus calls Lazarus by name. Lazarus stepped out the tomb, still going in grave clothes. What incredible! Surely that's just absolutely convincing. Surely the fear guy say, "Hey Lazarus, this is my familiar. Come on out. Surely the fear guy you must believe. You must believe." Right. He goes on verse 45 and says, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. So he was speaking of Jesus Christ and said, For sure, Bible says, says this. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. It's interesting in that if they don't deny what Jesus had done, they just told what he had done. Keep that in mind. All those, all of us, who genuinely believe, that Jesus is who claims to be based on the evidence around us and the witness of God's people and things he said of the word of God. All those things are so strongly set before us, we don't necessarily acknowledge that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that we will confess that he is Lord and the Lord. But even with all that, there are still those who are well aware of the evidence around them, as well aware of the science, even in our modern era, and yet fail to acknowledge his lordship. In other words, they disbelieve despite the evidence. So as Paul said similar things in Romans chapter 1, he said, You see, nature around you puts God, dignity, and power to serve the nature that people don't believe. Everyone turns around and says, There are those who suppress the truth. Sometimes it's not a Christian, it's just it's an act to suppress the truth of the Christian. Why so? How do you get that stuff? How difficult is that? Who's going to mess with it? We do that every day of the week, as we see it. As we engage with people, as we quest for truth, the truth for us. Verse 47. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What do we do? This man performs many signs. It's interesting. If you let him go on like this, okay, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our faith and our nation. They're concerned about the truth, they're concerned about the Roman soldiers, they're concerned about the Roman tradition, and they're following the guidance of Titus, the chief priest, who says, so from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. To get rid of the one who's driven everyone crazy. 
And as soon as we move into chapter 12, where they flex, not only the attempt to arrest the spirit, the prophetic spirit, covering. In other words, whether we move from public view, it's evidence that supports Jesus' claim. So they get rid of Lazarus as well. So as long as Lazarus is alive, it's proof positive that Jesus is the Christ. But he's the Son of God. But only he is supposed to do stuff like that, raise people from the dead. And maybe even they thought they could outdo Jesus himself by putting an incident there. He may be alive, but he's dead. Because the two truths make promise to get Lazarus to death as well. Because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. Who gets that? But those of us and Christian people in the mission service head out into areas of the world that are dangerous for Christians, the Christians are persecuted, and the Christian population itself is in danger all the time. But because of the help of him, Many of the Jews are going away and believe in Jesus. How do you want that? To put to death his followers, Christians. Put to death those who are witnesses to him. Persecute those who are his witnesses who turn to him. And that's here in John chapter 12, 42 and 43. Nevertheless, and this is interesting, nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But, here are the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. There's probably more of a situation in the Western world where people want the accolades of human beings, of their fellow children and their friends, their colleagues, where they're not trying to pray, and to actually say, Hey, this is for me. Jesus himself is the Messiah, the Son of God. And what is this? Mockery. There are many people who prefer the glory that comes from God rather than the glory that comes from God. Now you might be wondering after what John the Lord did there, what on earth did that begin to do? Because the subject there is the subject of the passage we read this morning. Well, Mary was present. At the raising of Lazarus, the father, so was Jesus, and the other disciples. Mary was a believer, and the death of her brother brought her sadness, but it did not bring about disbelief. Brought her sadness, but it did not bring about disbelief. She remained a faithful servant of God. She remained a disciple of Jesus. In her response to the raising of her brother from the dead was, in fact, humble worship. It's funny, as, as John recounts, he, he writes of a meal shared at Bethany where the family's together and others from the village are all there. Jesus is there, the disciples are there. It's a great gathering, six days before Passover. And we read in John 12, verse 3, Mary, therefore, took a pan of expensive ointment made of pure nile, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Can you imagine? She didn't know her name, but Jesus did. It's a scene of its devotion that is extravagant. It's selfless and it's sincere. Mary says she wants to spend more for the nicety of the time. She 
revealed that the prayer has made a double bargain with the enemies of Jesus. This betrayal, though I'm not used to underneath the sin, is in fact a fulfillment. The prophecy of Jesus says in John 14, 18, this is further evidence that Jesus is actually the betrayal even a couple of the church. He says, I am not speaking of you. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. He found 41 verse 9. Jesus is about to kill that prophetic utterance from that time. And as we know, before Jesus does things in such a way to provide a reason to believe, because he goes on in the verse 19 to say, I am telling you this now. Before it takes place. But when it does take place, you may believe that I am the truth. Here, pick up that. Let me see where this comes from. Let me get some more. It's all coming to a head. And note the drama that happens here at the end. As you think I'm told over these next few verses, there's mystery. Jesus is speaking. It's not the time to be wrong. So look at one another. There's a whispered conversation. That's not the music. It's not clear by most of those people. There's a revealing act. There's a good Jesus, a mortal. John knows the identity of the Christ. It's coming. Then the climax of this incredible story is betrayed. Then it gets some sort of, then after he had taken the mortal, Satan entered into him. Jesus said, What are you going to do? It is the question. The fact in Bible that Satan is sealed, that Jesus remains in control. This is not Jesus' opportune time. This is Jesus' hour that has come. This is his moment. Jesus, Jesus said, oh, because Jesus has said that he's his secret. Not because Jesus has chosen the time to give us a hint. Jesus, as Judas said, leaves in haste. And John further construes this part of the story with the words, and it was night. I think the other gospel writers note that it was evening. But I think John chose a different word in order to make a story about the point. Here's the challenge. Follow the evidence. It's 
inside is we can use the love that Jesus gave to us to come to us. Don't let fear of what others might think of you find you. Don't let status or wealth think you're an ally. They want to find fear with a fear of this Don't be a self-serving and simple. When you see the others before you, take notice. A couple of things that came to mind as I was thinking about that. Some of you have said to the older folks here today, you know of a few people around that today. Lee Strobel, journalist, investigated the kind of attack became a Christian and then wrote the kind of attack. Frank Morrison, who investigated a lawyer, investigated the truth or otherwise of the resurrection of the believe and those who did not stand. Ethan Hugh, a Persian author, atheism, the, the one who um, many of the modern atheists were alive, which was Sam Harris and Trevor Bennett and so on, who sort of hit him. He followed the evidence. What he said, I came to believe that there must be a divine personality behind all the rules. I don't believe you're ever going to be a Christian because that's a foolish idea. But he wrote a book called Birth of the Gods. After being one of the most thought atheists in the world, I just took his academic stuff. Follow the evidence. Follow the light. Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and live and speak in such a way that others might also come to believe. So this is a theme of naivety. Engage with your family. Engage with your neighbors. Engage with your work colleagues and others you might meet in other fields of life and endeavor. Tell a Jesus by word and deed. Thank you for the example of Mary, the one who gave all of herself to you and followed you, who gave all that was confessed, who worshipped that was simply humanity. For a purpose she never asked, she followed the path of you, who self-serving, who focused on serving. And all these years prior, that day, who routinely came in contact might see in us to seek the love of God. And we were able to share the gospel message with those Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.